Welcome to Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comics and graphic novels worth having on your shelf and more. I'm Taylor Trask. Hey, Happy New Year. It's 2020. We're finally here. We had a little bit of a break, so if you've wondered where we've been, Todd and I needed needed several weeks off. We had a, a very busy, uh, good, but busy 2019, and I think we, uh, we needed to rest. And, and we also wanted to plan a little bit. You'll notice... Um, starting on this episode, we are launching another new feature called Panelism Fireside Chats. And, um, you know, we've, te- we've teased for a while now wanting to interview folks and get some different voices on the show. And we've done that in the past, but we're going to do it a lot more, I think, frequently going forward. And we'll talk to people like creators and artists and comic shop owners and comic fans, just like our first guest today, Frank Fry. Now, Frank is the space captain here at Epicentral Coworking in downtown Colorado Springs. And full disclosure, we're currently recording from my studio at Epicentral. Um, so definitely, if you're in the Springs, come check it out. Springs residents will also know Frank, though, from this series of stickers of his face that appear everywhere around town. And we'll cover that probably more in a little bit. Um, Frank and I have had many a side chat about comics um, as we've walked around the space. And I thought, you know, of all the people to bring in as kind of the first guest of this fireside chat thing, what what better person than a, than a comics fan? Somebody who's, you know, who's we, we've chatted a bunch. I wanted to hear more and I just I would love to I would love to dive more into it. So without further ado, Frank Fry, how are you? I'm well. Uh, thank you for uh, letting me be on here. Oh, of course, man. This is this is this is fun. And it's you know, it's. It's one of those things where the more we can do, Todd and I often record um, remotely. You know, he's in San Diego, I'm here in the Springs, and um, it's always fun to get people in the studio and, and chat, uh, chat some. Uh, this we're on here on a Sunday morning too, so you've got your coffee, I've got my water. We're, For sure, it's a great way to spend a Sunday morning. We're good to go. And yeah, your studio is great. You have a lot of really cool nostalgia or nostalgic toys, and uh, yeah, I, your posters are awesome. You've got a really nice setup in here. Thank you. Yeah, we were chatting before. I have a I have a, a laser tag like cap with like a sensor on the top that you'd noticed before that not a lot of people know what that is or remember even laser tag from the eighties. It was one of those, (laughs) those, I think it was a cartoon at one point. And then they, it was like a cartoon toy line launched. And then I think I remember a cartoon. The toys were really good. I mean the toy, everybody had like, you know, the guns were cool, but then like I was, I was telling you earlier, like the, the, the Holy grail was the vest and like the vest was like this, you know, not many people had the vest. And so when you saw it, you know, in the wild, you're like, Oh my God, there it is. I think it was a little cost prohibitive for most families. <laughs> yeah. A lot of those like really cool 80s toys were like, you know, you'd see like the one kid in your class had everything. And then everybody else was like, I got the one, you know, the other one I remember, do you remember uh, California raisins? Yeah. Um, the California raisins toys. So, so I grew up in a small little town, but like the social, you know, in first grade, um, you know, the social capital was how many California raisins toys you had on your desk. <laughs> and so you'd walk in and like, you'd see kids with like five and six and like, you know, I had like two and that was you know because hardy's i think was yeah it was hardy's that had them but you had to buy them separately and for whatever reason everybody was taking their parents to hardy's to get these toys it was kind of one of those because it was the 80s and they were marketing everything oh god yeah and it was just it was my class was ridiculous they had all kinds of crazy things like that well i wanted to start by i guess um let our listeners know a little bit about you you know um what you are, you know, what you do, and you know, any of your, you know, any interests, and then how you got into comics, and 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 you know, I guess what what led you to to appreciating the art form, as it were. So uh, I'm originally from Chicago. Um, I moved out here kind of early on, uh, probably like in second grade, but then moved back or moved to St. Louis rather. Um, I 
like a year later and then moved back to Chicago and then kind of flip flopped back and forth between the Springs and Chicago um, several times. Uh, and then finally came back in my, my like late twenties, uh, mid twenties, and then have stayed in the spring since then. Um, for a while I was bartending at the blue star at Nash. Um, and then after that, Lisa had opened uh, Epicentral and she's had been open for about two years. Um, her original partner, Hannah, who had opened the space with her was leaving. So she needed someone to help kind of just run the space, asked if I wanted to do it. Um, cause I was leaving Nash. I was leaving bartending at that time. Um, so I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. And then I've kind of been here since really. So nice. it's been about five years, six wow. years. Yeah. That I've That's been a here. good little so, run. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. I really enjoy the space. I enjoy the interaction I get with people. You know, it really is. It's, I don't know. I think my background has been hospitality, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that I get to exercise that here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm really just a bartender. I just don't make any drinks except for Thursdays at our happy hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, you know, and I mean, you get to have great conversations, right? You run into people and you learn all these different things and you've got so many different dynamics that you're, uh, you, you get to be a part of, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's really, uh, it's kind of stimulating, but you know, at the same time, it's like, on Friday, you know, I was working on projections for 2020. So there's like mm-hmm. real work to do as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, but well, I gotta say, I don't want to make this a, a commercial for episode sure. necessarily. But I will say, I've I've done a lot of different co-working spaces over the years, and this is probably and and I'm not saying this just because you're sitting here. Like this is probably my favorite one, just because it's for some reason, and maybe it's the springs, maybe it's the vibe. But like the the um, the kinds of people here, like it's so easy just to have little casual chats, and just everybody's so chill and laid back. It's kind of nice just to. You know, mill around. That's you know, just find somebody. You know, you'll you'll hear some conversation. You're like, hey, and you can just join in, and it's, you know, nobody's nobody's mad about that, and you know, just have all kinds of fun little interactions. And I mean, I have new neighbors over here now who've been super nice and said hello, and oh, yeah. so I just the kind of the culture you all that to be said, the culture you guys have kind of fostered here, you know, directly or indirectly, has really been cool to see. And especially, you know, the, we've talked a little bit before Todd and I, but the Springs is going through such a an interesting transition right now. And it's kind of exciting to be here at this time, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, we're happy to serve that growth. So cool. It's nice as they grow that, you know, as the city grows, we're growing as well. So, yeah. Um, well, one of the things that I do want to bring up and I don't know how, how, how into this you are, but there is a, for those of you who don't live in Colorado Springs, but these even appear outside of the Springs. So I should, you know, you might see them in Denver. Even you might see them in other places. There are, there is these stickers of your face that appear in coffee shops and bars and, and libraries and like all over the place. There's this face that's kind of like a, gra- a cool kind of hip graphic designy kind of thing. And I see it everywhere. And like people, there's an Instagram page even devoted to it too, but it's your face. Do you, do you mind telling folks kind of what that's all about in case they visit or in case they, they're like, wait, I've, I've seen that guy before. Like, what is, what is, what is that about? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. It's weird how it, it kind of just took off and became its own thing. Um, so at Epicentral, we encourage people to do their own dishes. Uh, I had a coworker, <laughs> Kayla, who wanted to remind people of that and um, made a poster that said, let me be frank, do your own dishes. Um, we had a gentleman named Kevin Reed who worked out of this space who made that graphic. Um, so they put the sign together, and then he said all he wanted for payment was a sticker of that image. Mm-hmm. So as it happened at that time, we actually had a guy – 
in our space who worked for Sticker Mule. Mm-hmm. So we talked to him, and he was like, yeah, no problem. I can get stickers. So printed them off, and then we got like 50 of them, and they went pretty fast. So I think we bought a few more, like Epicentral did, just to hand them out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Kevin just kept like designing different stickers. So there's like a, a St. Patrick's one. There's a Day of the Dead <laughs> one. And there's like these different <laughs> versions now. But the original sticker just kind of kind of got passed around town. And people started randomly placing it on things. Um, and, you know, being like a former bartender, you know, I, I still pick up shifts here and there at different places. Um, so I think that, you know, I've also frequent a lot of bars as well. So my sticker kind of just ended up in, <laughs> in these different places, mostly drinking establishments and then coffee shops. And then just they kind of just started popping up everywhere. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine in Fort Collins, she started this page called Find Frank Fry. Um and then I've, it's, it is weird, right? But I mean, I've had people approach me and say like, oh, I was in Boston last week and I saw your sticker. Um, so it has kind of gone further than the Springs. Um, yeah. Someone told me just on Friday that they were in Chile mm-hmm. and put one like, you know, somewhere in Chile. So <laughs> this it's kind is, of this interesting. I love this though because like, I grew up in Wall, South Dakota. And if you know anything about that place, there's a store, there's this kind of retail legend called wall drug and their stickers mm-hmm. are everywhere too. And so I moved to Colorado Springs and before I even came to Epicentral, like we moved to Man- my wife and I moved to Manitou and I was seeing these faces. I was like, what is this about? No one ever, like n- no explanation. And then I showed up here. And I'm like, oh, that's the guy. Oh my God. And then I almost, it was almost kind of intimidating. I'm like, well, maybe there's like, so I, I, I don't even want to say anything. Maybe that's the guy. And then you, I had asked you earlier on, like, you know, as we were, I was walking through, I was like, what's that about? And you told me the story. So it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of fun, man. Like you're sort of like an, you know, a meme of the city that just kind of keeps, you know, and, and granted you're a nice guy too. So like people know you outside of just the stickers, but just is kind of a cool thing to, is it surreal to see your face pop up in all these random spots? A little bit. What's more surreal is when someone approaches me and they're like, Hey, I have your sticker on the back of my phone mm-hmm. and I have no idea who they are. Oh yeah. Right. And I'm, I mean, I understand like my friends and stuff yeah. wanting to do that, but like, you know, for someone just to, have no context of yeah. who I am to have a sticker on like something like their phone or their computer. Yeah. It's always kind of like, Oh, well, I mean, that's cool. You know, but it's all, it's just very interesting. Um, and you know, again, it's like, it's, it's flattering that people want, you know, to, to have my image, I guess, or whatever, yeah. but I don't know. It's weird. Cause I think people expect like a more grand story of like, Oh, I was, you know, I did this or blah, blah, blah. Or I ran for, some sort of office and decided mm. to promote it, but it really just became its own thing. Like, you know, it's funny cause I don't really hand them out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's kind of a weird thing. Oh yeah. You know, yeah at first yeah. I did like kind of to friends and stuff. Sure. But it is kind of weird to be like, Oh, I know what you want. You want a <laughs> sticker in my face. Yeah. yeah, yeah right. Yeah. It kind of just seems like a little odd, but Kevin will print them and he has them. Just hands about. Yeah. they will hand them out. <laughs> he'll give me a stack cause well, also what'll happen now is people will ask me for them. Mm-hmm. And for a while I was like, well, I'm not, you have to ask Kevin. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they'd get mad at me <laughs> and they'd be like, well, why can't I just get one for you? Because I, I literally don't have them. Kevin ordered them. I'm the subject you of know? the art. I am not the art. Yeah. Or, or also the artist. weird. I mean, God bless Kevin, but I have no idea how much money he spent on ordering yeah, stickers. Like That's awesome. And he usually, But usually it's like a, a sticker mule sale. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I could almost track it because- I'll get an email from Sticker Mule that's like, oh, $25, you know, for 50, like sale, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then probably like within a couple hours, 
Kevin will text me like another image. Like, this is the new version. I'm like, oh, man, that makes sense. <laughs> still, so. still going. Yeah. Well, if you're interested at home, go to find Frank Fry on Instagram and you'll find a beautiful account of just all the examples of this out in the wild. It has, I mean, it's been a little while since it's been updated, but I think. Yeah, I don't know how current it is, but. We should, we should, we should re-engage that. I was thinking about maybe really leading into it and like geotagging him. Yeah. And like doing like a geocache kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, but. I love it. I love seems it. like a lot of work. Um, well, let's talk about comics. How long, have, how long have you been reading? I guess like when, what, what was, were you, uh, as a kid, did you jump into it? Is this something like, like kind of almost like me later in life, you got more into it? Um, yeah, later in life I got more into it, but you know, as a kid, I can remember being in St. Louis and I was at like a friend's family's house. They had some older boys, you know, I was probably eight or nine or something like that. And these the, the the boys in the family were in their, I don't know, late teens. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a, you know, just kind of that cliche. Like I found a box of old comics. I found a box of old X-Men stuff. Mm. Um, and the, yeah, one of the daughters at the time um, was reading them as well. And so, you know, I just uh, picked up a few and started reading them and really remember really liking it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, of course, yeah, I think... Yeah, I, was, I guess it was late 80s. Um, but, right, like, Wolverine was, you know, really badass. And mm. I remember being, like, a little kid, like, oh, that's cool. It's got claws or whatever, right? And, like, mm. Not really, you know, reading them out of order, not really paying attention to the storylines, but just, like, yeah. probably looking more at the art than anything. And yeah. then um, probably in junior high, I really started not uh, – yeah, I started collecting more, uh, you know, like, at Christmas I'd get – comic books or I'd get a gift card to a comic store. Um, and then back then, like, yeah, my uncle gave me, uh, I don't know that. Yeah. He gave me the dark Knight returns. Um, and he was into comics. And so I had an uncle who was really into, you know, into mm-hmm. collecting as well. And so it was cool to have kind of that, you know, older family member. And we talk about stuff. Nice. Um, what did he have? Like, that, what did he have in his stash? Anything, um, anything really interesting? You know, I don't really, he, I don't think he really had a stash, but I think he would always just talk about what he had. Oh, sure. You know, and then okay. he would collect some current stuff, but uh, I think it was mostly just superhero stuff um, from the big two. And then, and yeah, through high school, I was collecting, um, and I probably fell off, you know, after like, I don't know, like in my junior year till, man, probably about four years ago or okay. so. And then <clears throat> I, for some reason, I picked something up. I don't remember what it was. I think I was, was it like Barnes and Noble or something? Mm-hmm. I picked up like a, a, a graphic novel, you know, just a, a one-off of something, you know, some Batman story. I forgot what it was exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember being like, oh man, I want to read comics again. Mm-hmm. And I went to the comic book shop and I was kind of just browsing. Um, and I asked one of the guys like, hey, you know, I'm kind of just looking for something to read. And that's something maybe that, might introduce me into the, you know, into comics again or whatever, you know? And he's like, Oh, well, have you read this? And he gave me, uh, the, uh, the Batman, the court of the owls stuff. Oh, wow. Scott Snyder stuff. Yeah. And I read that and I just had the trade paperback, the first one. And then I started collecting the individual issues after that. And I remember that just like sucking me back in. Mm. And I was like, Oh, this is so good. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I kind of started hunting down stuff. I'd always wanted to read and maybe never didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I picked up the Alan Moore run on Swamp Thing, which again was just like so mind blowing. Oh yeah. Um, 
started collecting. Then I just started, you know, perusing the shelves and adding stuff to my, my file. And now I have more stuff than I could ever read. And, you know, it's frustrating. That's so, what we're dealing with right yeah. now. Our TBR, our to be red pile is, to, is kind of out of control. And it's, it's, it's just, it piles up so fast. <laughs> well, and the problem is that we're in this sort of, just like with TV, we're in this golden age, I think, of, of comics right now, largely on the back of, of all the work done through Image and, um, a, you know, I don't want to always pick on image because they're just doing great work, but like there's a lot of great indie labels, boom, I mean, all the stuff. And then uh, you know, what dark horse was doing and what they're sort of doing now under the new arrangement at DC. So there's like, there's a lot of just, I mean, there's so much great. It's not like before where it's like, you know, there was in the day, in the early, early days of image when it was just very stylized and very much kind of an, an, uh, an after effect of the eighties, early nineties boom. Now we've got just these great, just amazing indie bands as comic creators and, and books and stuff. And it's just, I mean, just that alone is one thing. And then you add in like even newer stuff like Hickman's X-Men, which just concluded like that's a mainstream title, but it's being done at that higher level. So just all of that combined with more shit coming out every, every month. I don't even know. I mean, how do you prioritize or do you just it's, kind of whatever's you know tickling your fancy at that point? I think for me, you know, I think what's really nice is we're seeing so many great writers yeah. again, right? And I think that I remember in the '90s, like right with McFarlane and stuff. Yeah, stuff was so artist-driven. Yeah, it seemed like, and yeah. now things are becoming more writer-driven. Yeah, and I wonder if that is maybe a symptom of like the golden age of television, where we're mm. really craving like really great storylines, great character development, right? And I feel like we're seeing that in comic books. We're seeing like yeah. this kind of renaissance of great writing again. Yeah, um, you know, and it's always so interesting to me when like a writer takes a property or a character that I kind of don't care about and makes me care about that stuff. Yeah. You know, I mentioned Alan Moore swamp thing, you know, what he did with that character, you know, just blew my mind. You know, I mean, I don't know. I was never really interested in swamp thing. until I I read that. And then I was like, Oh wow, that's like such an interesting take. Or when someone takes, you know, a character and just tweaks just a little bit or, you know, I mean, you think about like what Paul Dini did with, um, you know, Mr. Freeze on mm-hmm. um, the animated series where he gave oh. that character like so much pathos and mm-hmm. um, such a great backstory, right? Before he was kind of like this hokey, like, oh, I'm going to freeze you with this gun. And like, mm-hmm. there was like great motivation and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think for me, I'm probably more drawn to writing, you know, and I think there's also just a, a, a safety net there. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about guys like Hickman, if something comes out, I'm probably just going to add it to my, my pull file. <laughs> yeah. Right. And just be like, yeah, yeah. you know what? I'm going to take a chance on this. Um, and we'll see where it goes. But Hick- Hickman's like, I mean, I, we've talked about this before in passing too, but Hickman's almost like, like Bowie. It's just like, yeah, I don't even care. I don't, I'll just take it because I know he's, I mean, and even I mean, Hickman, there are some rare misses with, from sure. him, but even the misses are like interesting. You're like, wow, that's, I didn't quite like it as much, but damn, that was still yeah, it'll interesting. Yeah. Think about something yeah. in a different way or yeah. it's, yeah, it's always interesting even just to see what, what happens. Right. Yeah. Sometimes there's times where I'm like, oh, I don't know, but then yeah. there, there will be something where I'm like, oh, every time there's something that happens where I'm like, oh shit, like that's amazing. Yeah. Even if the rest of it's kind of like, eh. but there's always, he always, Delivers on some note. Yeah. You know? Well, let's start there. Did you, uh, you read the most recent X-Men, House of X, Powers of Ten run that he did? I did. And that just really blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, right? It was such an interesting take. Um, and again, I think that's something where, you know, how many times has there been, have, the, have these characters been used? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And to be able to take something that's been just like, 
I mean, churned out and to do something interesting with it mm -hmm. is really so amazing to see. Um, but man, like the whole uh, McTaggart stuff, yeah, with, you know, like coming back and the different lives and then the different timelines and then just resetting it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was like I I should read it again because I'm I know I missed that. Yeah, oh, 100 percent. Well, the hat trick to me was him taking all of that all those reboots and spinoffs and stuff and pulling it all into continuity and just having it be another one of Moira's lives that, you know, failed and just having it, it's all there. Like just the genius of that. So now, now you can go back and appreciate it all within continuity when maybe necessarily before you weren't able to do that. So yeah, I was a little disjointed. Yeah. That's, that is uh sorry. That was, that is, that was fast, fascinating. What was, um, <coughs> Um, I need to re go back and reread it too because they. I know there was in the release order something got a little screwy, and I think I may have read one or two out of order, um, or like well, a ten came out before a house or something. You know. Yeah, yeah. When I first started reading it, I think I I messed that up too because I didn't yeah. realize that they were intertwined. Mm -hmm. you know, I was treating them as their own separate. And then at the end, like one of the first ones, like, oh yeah, okay, I gotta start. Have we have we talked about my theory about Hickman? Like I I feel like Hickman has. This you know, like his Stephen King Dark Tower is this character in white and and all of his books more or less the, I think since Red Mass for Mars and on he has had this at least one character be all white like they dress in white hmm. they are themselves white and it usually represents death in some way but it, Magneto was that character in House of X and I'm not quite sure. Like, it was never explained why he suddenly changed into that character. But it's, I feel like at some point there's going to be some, you know, he's going to have some creator-owned title that pulls all of all these, like, characters in white together in some thesis. Huh. But I, just, I saw that, like, it's it's there. You see it in East of West, obviously, as, as death. Right, yeah, you I was going to say literally, yeah. Literally death. You see it in Black Monday Murders. There's, like, a white character. You see it in um, De Dying in the Dead. Like, it just, it's, he's interested in this. And I, he may not make anything of it, but I just, I find that, Keep it the more you read Hickman, just kind of keep tabs on that because it keeps. There was one he did a oh my god, I totally forgot this. He did an amazing um Avengers uh, god, it, it's like a we've talked about it on previous episodes, but it's um uh like an Avengers Illuminati kind of uh series that he did. And there was a character like a destroyer character, also again, all white, uh, huh. she was there too. So it's it's I'm interested to see if he's gonna make something of it, and if so, like. Yeah, you know, maybe at the end of his career, if like he ties that all together, Stephen King style, and has something, I, I don't know. Keep an eye on that. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't think I really realized that until you just said that. Oh, I said it to a com. I told the comic shop guy at um, Bridge City in Portland this, and his. I think I broke his brain. He, <laughs> he immediately ran over to like all the. They had a Hickman shelf. He's just like fishing through and looking. He's like, oh! and I was just like, I don't. I thought this was more obvious. Maybe uh, you know, maybe it's not something that's meant to be more. He's obvious. gonna have like a board with yarn from different <laughs> yeah, comics tied all together. Yes. Who is it? What is it going? But no, just the fact that Magneto was that here, and it was like. That's interesting. Like, that is interesting. No reason to change your costume, but I guess. But maybe, maybe like they're doing all those. I think there what are six now, spinoff series. You know, in this new continuity. Right. So I'm sure it'll get addressed at some point. You know, legitimately or, or otherwise. Speaking of that, East of West was another title that just yeah. man, the yeah the whole like reworking of history mm -hmm. and then breaking up you know the the states like he did and just. Uh, yeah, the the art uh, is that I think that's Dragata. Dragata. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like the future, like the the mix of like future and past like technologies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that stuff really has been blowing my mind. That um, was East to West for yeah. me. 
so Watchmen was kind of like Watchmen was my court of owls, like kind of back like mm-hmm. into this in a major way. But East of West was like, oh, this is what they're doing now. Like I'm, I'm gonna keep tabs on both this guy and just this whole this whole thing. Yeah, I think East of West for me was what brought me. You know, like I got reintroduced into comics through the the court of owls, mm-hmm. but then again got like reintroduced to like the the not so mainstream superhero yeah. you know, genre. Yeah. Um, and that's what really opened my mind to like, oh, okay, there's so many other stories that can be told through this medium. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think we sometimes have to reframe that, right? I think we think about comics in the context of, of superhero stories mm-hmm. so much that I forget that like you can tell noir, you can tell drama, you can tell horror. There's so many other other genres out there that can be told through this medium. Yeah. And East and West for me is what really pulled me into like exploring some other you know, genres and like looking at that whole their shelf of like, oh, this is not, you know, the dark horse or image or boom or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. You know, did you, they just concluded, did you finish the, did you finish it up the last issue? Um, I have not. I actually, I need to go. It's been like a month since I pulled my <laughs> file. So it's a, it is a, it is a bigger final issue. Um, and it is, they, don't leave anything on the table. That's all I'll say. We'll talk about it. I don't want to spoil anything for you or, or listeners who haven't read it yet, but they, it is fine. It's weird. It's surreal to think that it's finally done because it's been running my entire, it's kind of been that constant thing in the background during my sort of re-engagement with comics. And now it's over and I have other series I love too. So it's not like I'm, I'm hurting, but it's just, it's interesting that that end of the era is finally upon us, you know? So, huh. Yeah. I, I agreed. I, it is kind of bittersweet when you finish something. Maybe it'll uh, give Hickman time to finish yeah. these other series, though, that he started and never ended. Like, he's got so many other things, so many irons in the fire. That's just like, dude, I don't know where you have the time <laughs> to even think about any of these things. But, like, he'll, like, start a series and just leave it for two years and come back maybe when he's interested in it or has time. Yeah, it must be good work if you can get that right. Just Seriously. Like, hey. Or you're just at the top of your game or you're like, oh, well, you know what? Yeah, this is – we're still developing this. Or, But I also imagine you just touch on so many different things. You have so many different storylines going through your head that yeah. right sometimes you're probably thinking about like oh this would be great but where do I want to put that and what character would that relate to you best especially if you got all these open ended kind of that's a good point he doesn't ever have he can always take the best idea for the best property and not have to shoehorn it into something where it's maybe not appropriate right that's interesting I never thought about that yeah being tied to that deadline I'm like oh well I'm going to just try yeah. to make it fit here yeah you know that's interesting what other books i guess um so we got we have court of owls we have east to west we have x-men house of x powers of 10 what other i guess what other books or issues or series are you kind of interested in right now or but um anything i think it's all kind of wrapped up but i think it was related to that black hammer universe oh uh, you're a black hammer fan oh man that mm-hmm. first that first run and just the the, the, the parallels of the different characters to, you know, other mainstream characters yeah. that he was, he was doing was fantastic. Um, all the spinoff stuff that was it Sherlock Frankenstein, yeah, yeah. that all that stuff was just so great. Cause it was just like such an homage to old comic books, mm-hmm. but such a great twist on it. And then again, Lemire is one of those guys that if he, he puts something out, I'm probably just going to pick it up. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I really, I really trust that guy a lot. Yeah. Um, but man, all that. I will say, I think it was the Black Hammer 45. Mm-hmm. Um, that didn't grab me quite as much. But yeah, all that other stuff was just super amazing, I thought. And just like, I don't know, just what a, yeah, it was just like such a great ode mm-hmm. to 
to old comic book, you know, yeah, uh, storytelling. I, I'm always a fan of taking approximations of characters we know and, and playing with them. Like, I mean, why? I, I I sound like a broken damn record, but like Watchmen for me was like it really showcased all all this kinds of stuff. Which is like, look, you have this, you have these amalgams in the Watchmen universe of stuff that you know, but we're doing something completely new and interesting with it that you know you may not be able to do in a Superman book. Although more of that's happening. Like there, it's almost like that used to be the safe space for kind of experimentation, kind of these indie titles or these sort of Elseworlds titles. I'm seeing that more and more bleed into the real, I mean, X-Men obviously like we just talked about, but I mean, even like Superman, American alien. I don't know if you read that series. Um, Just a great, I mean, it, it just, it does all these little interesting things with Clark Kent's life over the years. And you're, I mean, obviously you're seeing it with Batman, but just so many, was that the Max Landis? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I did read that. That was really good. I really, some people don't like it as much as I, I mean, I loved, I mean, I'm, I've always been sort of a wait and see Superman fan. Like, I don't know. I'm like, it just seems like everything's been done. And then I read that. I was like, Oh my God, to actually humanize like the growth of Clark Kent and make it not so obvious that, you know, in all the, in all the other movies and TV and, and properties and comics and stuff, like he kind of, he's given the sort of the, the keys to the kingdom very quickly. It's like, Hey, this is your destiny. And in that series, he had to figure it out basically all on his own. You know, he had to figure out what, what is my costume going to be? And he's trying different iterations and you know, who's Batman, like this Bruce Wayne guy, what's he about? Like, yeah, just, how do I feel about him? Yeah. It's, it was just so cool to see. So you're seeing all this experimentation and you know, probably the, I don't know if you've read Tom King's, uh, Mr. Miracle or Vision Runs? <laughs> Holy crap. That's funny because I, I wanted to talk about the Mr. Mm, Miracle perfect. stuff. Perfect. Yay. Oh, man, I could talk about Mr. Miracle for a long time. It was forever. so good. Like, yeah. again, taking some of those older properties that is it Jack Kirby's New God stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, kind of adding some humanity to it, even. Yeah. Um, man, and they just the big Barda and Scott relationship, just all that stuff. Just. Okay, so I have a theory about this book, and I'm curious, and I, I'm not. Uh, it, it's one of those. It's it, they leave it open ended enough where you can have different, equally legitimate interpretations. But as I read it through a second time, I was like, man, I think he died, and I think what we're seeing huh. is his entire like afterlife. And and I say this because if you go back, and I forget, Todd and I have talked about this before, but when you there's one of those pages where he's on the talk show. You know, because they, they like each chapter kind of starts with him escaping from something, and then it almost like a flashback sort of, and it cuts in. Right. There's one where, and, and they keep showing him, and he keeps escaping. They keep showing him, and he keeps escaping. And towards the end, there's one where he's gonna be burned alive on like some kind of like Johnny Carson kind of talk show, and it doesn't show him escaping, and it just cuts. And I'm like, maybe he died there, and everything we're seeing is him sort of having to choose or kind of try to will into existence and afterlife but he's a child of like you know earth and apocalypse and so he's got this almost like heaven and hell huh. kind of skewed idea of what existence should be and so he's going to kind of straddle those i don't know i just it's it it doesn't have to be that but it's you you read it and you're like man i wonder if this is kind of like there's definitely a jacob's ladder sort of through line going through the whole thing but just i i keep thinking that we're just seeing his like and you know some of those characters they're like blurred you know they're almost like tv static blur in and out of of the frame or there's something kind of not quite right about them and you don't know i mean yeah it was like a little phased out yeah the art yeah. again was so great on that and the way they convey oh, god so, yeah some of those concepts through i think kind of that blurry vision or yeah kind of that, yeah that weird that pulsing effect. dark side is that keeps popping in you know <laughs> yeah. and especially like i read it um, we talk about this all the time too, but I read it first on Comicsology, and then I end up getting the hardcover 
just for collector's purposes. So I've read it in both physical and digital. And the physical, like you see those panels pop in, but on the digital, it's like you, you keep swiping, you just keep seeing like your know, dark side is, dark side huh. is, and then pan- so it's almost it's a very different kind of experience. It's almost more like a TV show when you're doing it on on Comicsology. But they're both they both they they nail that pacing in and just those. And there's there's sort of a, a weird off-putting not dread but just kind of feeling through the whole thing that i just i it really it i didn't think i would like it nearly as much as i did and i almost like it more than vision and i loved vision which i would agree with that i wasn't again i think that's one of those characters and even that whole like the new god stuff yeah i'm semi-familiar with it mm-hmm. but not you know it's kind of its own thing right i, mm-hmm. I don't think i'm as familiar with it it's probably like hardcore comic book fans yeah yeah right and that it was nice to see some of those characters pop up and have, you know, these storylines that I could follow. And, you know, I think like for me, right, like dark side kind of pops in and out of yeah. the DC universe, but I'm, I've never really like followed him or know much about him or, um, you know, even apocalypse, right? Like I, yeah. I, I understand that, but I'm not like well-versed in all that. I got most of my, I mean, same. I mean, I, I've watched those DC animated cartoons that used to be on all the time and gleamed, you know, justice league unlimited and all that stuff. But this was the first book where I actually feel like, Oh, now I understand apocalypse more. Right. They really delve into it. Yeah. Like, yeah. With them growing up under granny and stuff like that. I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. Um, so I kind of came into it like "Eh, a little bit, well, I'm a little uneducated in this. Yeah. And then by the end of it, yeah, I was just I was just stunned. I mean, yeah. just absolutely jaw dropping. Well, and, and shout out to Escape Velocity Comics down the street. They actually had it as their book club pick last year, which is what forced me to finally just I'm like, all right, because I was I, I, I want to talk about it. So I read it and it's just like, oh my god, I like this so much more than I realized I would. So, um, so cool, uh, Mister Miracle. Did you read the vision, the Tom King's vision? At all? I didn't. You uh, should. I should. I should loan you my copy. It's it's pretty. If you liked Mister Miracle. This is a similar kind of taking a character you think you know and just making it super very grounded and very, very human and very real. And it was I was equally shocked by the ending of that one, too. Tom King's one of those guys I wasn't really super familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, you know, he just did the last run of Batman. Yeah. I think oh, it, yeah. Which was really, yeah. I thought, really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, Mr. Miracle. But the stuff I've read by him, I really enjoy. But, again, I kind of didn't really recognize his name. I wasn't really sure who he was. And then I think I really, Mr. Miracles, what really like made me pay attention. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. This guy. Yeah. He's kind of becoming one of my favorite writers. Yeah. Like, yeah. Based on Very cool. Stuff. Did you end up watching, you watched the HBO Watchmen. I did. I haven't finished it. Though. You haven't fi- oh, no, I know. I shouldn't I, say anything more than everybody keeps <laughs> asking me about it. And for whatever reason, like I think I'm two episodes shy. Um, I forget what happened, but I just lost momentum somewhere and I need to go back and finish it up. Yeah. And then it's like, I just need to find the time to go sit down and do that. Yeah. So it's a little frustrating because yeah, everybody, you know, it's one of those no spoiler kind of situations. Yeah. And so people yeah. will be talking about it and I'm like, ah, I got to cover Stop. my ears yeah. and out of the, out of the room. So you like what uh, you've seen so far? Yeah, I really do. I love what they've done with those characters. Um, you know, I think it's, it's always interesting to see someone, take characters or storyline and go beyond mm-hmm. and um, put their own twist on like, Oh, this is what would happen later or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think they're doing a really great job of it. I think the, the world setting, the place setting, they did an awesome job, um, you know, tackling uh, the, the, the social issues they're tackling. Right. I was reading something they were talking about 
the original comic when it came out at its time the the big thing was right obviously like nuclear you know mm-hmm. nuclear disarmament nuclear war whatever the atomic clock played a, a big part in that and that this series really seems to be tackling like you know race relations mm-hmm. right and like um that division of of just race yeah and i think they're doing a really great job of of uh exploring that through yeah. these these characters mm-hmm. you know like the kind of the new group of of i don't know superheroes if you want to call them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah very cool well we had we did a we did a wrap up on that um on our panels and watching se- sub series uh so check that out if you're if you're interested if you just finished or if you just don't care and you want to spoil yourself todd and i kind of geek out about the ending and it is uh i will say this without spoiling anything for you it is one of the best endings to a television series i think i've ever seen just oh, wow. in terms of how and i don't want to dwell on this too much but like i was a big lost fan and i feel like lost just crapped the bed at the end and so like Lindelof had a lot to answer for in terms of just making sure he could finish what he started. And Oh my God, it was, it was almost like he took, it's like he heard all that criticism went, all right, <laughs> all right. If, if you, you watch this and it was just like, Oh my God. So it's to see it kind of all come together, all these threads and they, I mean, every single thread except for one or two, which were answered and kind of, they had a, remember how like in Watchmen they had those at the end of each issue, there was like a, like a newspaper article or something or like an excerpt from Hollis Mason's book. Um, they actually have like a Wikipedia, a companion Wikipedia like webpage for the series called Pedipedia, which is that guy who is um, accompanies Lori Blake to, to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like a... An, a, a, a yeah, he's like the historian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but he explained, like anything that wasn't addressed in the finale is addressed in Pedipedia. So there's like two little things oh, that weren't, awesome. weren't as important, but he they even addressed that there. So I was... I'm going to, I can't wait to, I'm waiting for my wife to get time so I can go back and rewatch it now, start to finish. Cause there's so much I missed even, you know, the first time through, I was just like, I need, now that I know kind of where they're headed just to see things that were there, you know, hidden in plain sight. Yeah. There was a lot of like hesitancy, right. With Lindelof. Like, is he going yeah. yeah. to deliver on this? Yeah. yeah. So many people were so burned by lost or Tomorrowland, or just any of those. I mean, I yeah. never watched the leftovers, I think. And some people didn't loved it. So I, there was definitely a, an upswing, but this is going to cement him as like, I mean, the fact that he pulled this off at all, but to pull it off as a high level was just, I mean, it was surprising. It was satisfying. I just, I can't wait for, to see what, what he does next. I feel that way about Frank Miller. You never know yeah. if he's going to finish something, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you, have you, speaking of him, have you gotten into any of the recent, like Dark Knight 3, Dark Knight 4, any of that stuff? I, yeah, I have. I read, uh, even the, the last one, The Golden Child. Yeah. Um, which I thought was okay, but it definitely doesn't have the impact yeah. as, you know, Strikes Again or Returns. I mm-hmm. mean, um, were you a big Strikes so. Again fan? I actually was. Interesting. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that a lot. And I think I enjoyed that because I really love Plastic Man and, oh, you know, having yeah. him pull him into the universe. And then, you know, he, he brought in the Green Arrow. So I kind of liked that he played with a, a few more characters as well. But yeah, I really. Uh, Ah, I, I I thought that was really great. I enjoyed it almost as much as Returns. It's an interesting it's an interesting book because like Returns is kind of held up as like this like you know as one of the holy you know holy texts yeah, of the comic seminal like. yeah. And then you get Strikes Again, which is like it's it, it's interesting because it's a little rougher you know in terms of the animation. It seems rushed for sure. Yeah, but then he what people don't realize is that he was writing that and then nine eleven happened like right in the middle of his run and it changed both his 
you know, out, his thoughts on what the story should be, but just also his outlook on the world in general. You, you'll see like a tonal shift in that series. You're just like, what the hell happened? Nine eleven happened. Um, you know, I think they even have a, a panel if I'm ever, of, of like Supergirl or somebody looking on and like something in New York is like, you know, not the Twin Towers necessarily, but something's you know burning or blowing up or something crazy. So it's it changes, but it's I like um, who is it that said? Oh, Grant Morrison in some podcast said like, look, man. It's like he had the hit. He had his like number one. He had his like white album, right? And then it's like you can't do that every time, but you still get like this point of view of this guy, of this artist, and this should just be taken on that level. And you know, I think it's cool for that for those reasons. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it though. Um, you know what I really enjoyed was that All Star Batman that he started writing. Oh yeah, and then like issue eight just it disappeared. Yeah, and I was like, oh, he's off writing stuff for some, the Sin City movie. Yeah, the sequel or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed. I was, I actually really liked it. I know it got a lot of criticism because people didn't really enjoy it, or he was kind of painting Batman as like a child abductor, mm-hmm. you know, taking Dick Grayson. And but hey, th- that's an angle. Like people have asked that question. They've thought it either privately or, or publicly right. before. So it's like let's address. Let's talk. Let's think through that. What what would that be like? Yeah, I think we're so quick to have our set ideas about what these characters are, mm-hmm. even though they're displaying. Right. I mean. Bruce Wayne is mentally unwell, yeah, right? Like yeah. that's not a normal reaction to mm-hmm. grief or right, like <laughs> yeah. or tragedy. Yeah. Um, so why not play around with that? Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we're so quick to hold things so sacred. Yeah. You know, I think honestly, to, to explore that further, like fandom is so wild right now to me that like mm. you have to really understand the nitty gritty of things for people to like recognize you as a fan. You can't kind of casually like things anymore. Right. Yeah. Like, which I think is this really like just interesting dynamic of a super fan or like, Oh, you don't really like that. If you don't know who, yeah. you know, scored the second episode of whatever it is. <laughs> and it's like, well, I, I mean, I think I enjoyed it. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I gotta be yeah. careful with that too. Cause I'm a big doctor. I'm a big doctor who fan. And like, I get really in the nitty gritty and I have friends who are just like, they love the show, but they're just, you know, casual, like almost civilian fans. Right. Right. And so I'll be like, Oh, that was like the time they, they referenced this from this. And, and you know, I, I, you know, all the canon and stuff that's in my head isn't necessarily in there. So they're appreciating it at one level. We're still appreciating it, but just that deeper dive. But then that deeper, how do you, what do you think? I'm glad you brought this up. What do you think though? Does that, does that sort of that layer of fandom that is so detailed and so hyper contextual, I feel like create situations like they'll put out, you know, one star Wars movie and people are like, it was great, but it, it was a lot like the, you know, a lot like the original ones. And they'll like, they'll go, okay, they'll put out a second star Wars movie. And it's very different, very new. And people are like, that's too new. It's too different. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. They'll put out a third star Wars movie. That's kind of like every, the, everything in the, I call it the kitchen sink star Wars. Cause it was just like everything. And people are like, no, I mean, just it, you create a situation where just people are never happy. I, I don't know. I, I, I sometimes go back to like IO nine comment sections or there's a few Reddit channels I'm following and participating in now and then. And I just find myself sometimes going, man, I don't, we, we may have gone too far in that direction. Cause it's just like, I think people are so particular about some things that it kind of, even to the creators watching, they get in this kind of like feedback loop of like, well, we have to make the thing for those fans. And they're almost going too far to accommodate everybody at a, such a base level that the whole thing suffered. I mean, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think fan service is always great, to yeah, be honest. Yeah. I think it's, you know, awesome to pull from the deep cuts and right honor them as well. Mm-hmm. But I think you can't overdo it sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's probably just an issue of balance. But also it's an issue of you're not going to please everybody. Yeah. And now because of the internet, everybody has a voice. Mm-hmm. So 
and everybody feels validated, which is great. I mean, I think it's great that we all believe that our voice carries weight. You know, I think of a situation like Game of Thrones where, like, they were starting, like, the petition for them to rewrite. <laughs> Redo so, the season. Yeah, and you're like, hold on. <laughs> you don't get to do that. Like, they created this thing, and you can enjoy it or not, but, like, to demand, make a demand as a fan that you go Do it back. again. Right. Like, you're not – they don't work for you. I mean, they do in some regard. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. you know, to me, that's a little, like – just the, yeah. Well, there's still fans who are like petitioning to get the original Scott Snyder Justice League cut released, and I'm like, <laughs> right. is it going to be? I mean, is, as though it, as though it contains some kind of secret that like you know we all need to see it because it was you know he was silenced, and I'm like, it's probably really not that much different than what we got. Maybe For just sure. a, a slightly different order, but it's not like it's a whole new movie sitting in a vault somewhere that just like I just I find it fascinating that it's like if if it's not. And yeah, there's I mean, love it or hate it. There's I had some issues with it, but it, it exists. It's there. You don't like it. Wait five years. Some somebody will try it again. You know. Clear. Yeah, it'll get rebooted. Everything's all is get yeah. rebooted, right? Yeah, I think it's interesting that we feel like we can demand those things. Um, and uh, I think we have to remember though, we're really lucky right now. Yeah. As yeah. as you know, geek culture, nerd cultures just take it over media, mm-hmm. right? We are so lucky that these things get to exist at all. At all, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we forget that, right? You have, right, 1989, Tim Burton makes Batman. Yeah. That, no one <laughs> thought that was ever going to happen. Yeah. Right? And man, it what what a great experience to have that happen. And now it just happens all the time. We're so yeah. used to it that we're kind of taking these things for granted, I think. And, you know, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like, we should just be grateful that this stuff exists and we get to see these things go from the page mm-hmm. to the screen at all. Can you imagine you know? if the internet exi- in its full glory existed in 1989 when, oh, they, when they said, and, we're, <laughs> and, 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 you know, and they're like, we're going to make Batman and we're going to cast Michael Keaton who up to that point was, was like Mr. Mom. Right. And just a comedy actor. Yeah. And that's it. Right. And just, I mean, imagine just the outrage and just, I mean, he would have been shouted into a assisted suicide or something. It would have been so but we, like Donald Glover and Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you can't but we, do that. But now you, I mean, a lot of people look at Michael Keaton as like their favorite Batman. And it's like, you know, give it a chance to, ex- and at the time it was all we had. So everybody just kind of loved it just on principle. Um, but now it's like you get, I mean, Christ, like every, every two years there's a new Batman or something, but just the idea that, yeah, I love, okay. I, for the record, I love fan service too. Like I, um, I, I think two great examples. I don't know if you've started watching Mandalorian yet. I finally picked that up last weekend and it's like, it's interesting to contrast Mandalorian with, the latest Star Wars movie, um, which I think both of them offer fan service in spades, but the Mandalorian, it's like deep cut fan service. So it's like, it's, it's stuff that you may not have seen before that if you had watched an episode of like the rebels animated series, they'll throw a name or, or a thing in Mandalorian that those people will go, Oh, but you know, someone like me who I never, I, I, my, my Star Wars is probably, I'm kind of probably more of a, like a casual civilian fan. So I, I know enough, but not, I don't, I don't go that deep, but just like, I'll see something go, well, that's just cool. Right. But I don't feel like they're trying to orient or jeopardize the story just to facilitate just to this something. In. Yeah, 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 for it's, sure. It's like, it's more like layering on top of a great idea. Whereas the mo- the rise of Skywalker almost, almost tried to had, it almost had to be a certain thing just to make sure, you know, this guy's in it and this guy is in it and this happens. And it's just like, they almost had those things that made the story conform to that instead of the other way. I don't know. I just, it's, it, but we do your, your, to your point, like we have so much, it's, it's kind of hard to complain about anything. Cause it's just like, dude, if you don't like that, there's 20 other things right now that are probably exactly what you want. So just, you know, hang, hang tight. You'll be, yeah, all these properties are being made into TV shows or series or 
movies. I mean, there's something out there for you. Yeah. Here's right? a great question. What one, if you could pick one series or comic or graphic novel that would be turned into a, either a show or movie, what would be top of your list? Oh, man. Hmm. You can ponder that, too, if you... Yeah, let me come back to that. That's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great question. I ask because I Todd and I, when we do episodes, rarely is you know it, often I should say there are books that I'll immediately say, oh, this could be a series instantly. Like um, favorite example, of mine is uh, Postal, um, which is now doing like a sequel series, which I find interesting. But like that whole book, that whole run is like it's just built for TV. Like even the panels look like almost like storyboards. It's just it's. It should, it could easily be and should easily be a series. And there's just, I almost wonder a lot of those image uh, and just kind of creator own titles. I don't, I'm not saying they're written for this purpose, but it's like as they're coming out, I'm like, man, it's, this would be so easy to adapt without, without, I mean, and not even have to do any heavy lifting. It's just like, just do this, just do the book. Which unfortunately doesn't happen a lot, right? I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that stuff seems so spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. But I wonder too, there's got to be something as a creator. Where you take a property, you want to put your own twist on it, kind of mm -hmm. make your own mark on it, right? But still honor the material. But sometimes you're like, hey, all you got to do is follow yeah. that. And that was just literally right, do just, it. Yeah. I mean, panel for panel, right? But I guess that happens and people get mad about that. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. yeah they didn't do anything new. They just did right. the book. It's like, yeah. well, what do you want, man? It's Although when 300 came out, I mean, that's pretty much what. Oh, they did with that. yeah. That's a great people example. being blown away by that, right? People are like, oh, it's like shot for shot for. Yeah, from the, the graphic novel. Sin City tried really hard. You know, they did. Rod Rodriguez knows what he's doing. Man, that first movie, I really actually really enjoyed that. It's good. Um, it, yeah, it was. I remember buying that on Blu-ray, and then I just I I just consumed it in all in all of its entirety. I mean, all the commentary, mm -hmm. like yeah, just all the bone everything. And I probably watched that movie, I don't know, like eight times. Wow. You know, like in two weeks or something like that. It was insane. Rodri Robert yeah. Rodriguez shot that in his barn, like the whole thing. Yeah. In his barn in Austin. Cause it's mostly green screen. And they built, I think like two practical sets, one for the, like the, the lounge where Jessica Alba dances. And then I think like a house, but otherwise it was all green screen and blue screen in his, in his barn. And I was just like, that's all. I mean, that was like, you know, 2000, what, five, six, something like that. Um, that's just so cool. The, I mean, that guy. Yeah. That he would, all right, take that on. And then he, Gave Frank Miller like a director credit. Yeah, right? yeah, and then yeah. Didn't he? I think did he get kicked out of like the director's yeah, or something yeah, for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, great, right? That's awesome that he he again. There was so much fan service there, mm -hmm. and he wanted to like bring in the original creator to help him out with it so much so like to his detriment, right? Yeah. Well, let's um, let's jump to. I, I want to do something in each of these fireside chats. We're going to do a little lightning round, and these are just a series of questions that I. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm personally interested in, but I think listeners will get a, a kick out of it too. We'll just, you know, try to give me a, as quick an answer as you can. Some of these you've, Frank has seen some of these, some of these he hasn't. Um, and we'll just uh, kind of crank through these, uh, He-Man or GI Joe? He-Man. Excellent. Uh, favorite Ghostbuster? Probably Peter Vankman. Peter Vankman. Now, Ooh, sub question, movie Peter Vankman or cartoon Peter Vankman or does it matter? Oh, that's interesting. Probably both. You know what? That cartoon, <laughs> that there was, I want to go back and watch that. Cause if I remember there was there like some really like kind of crazy, yeah. like trippy stuff that would happen in that cartoon. It was right? psychedelic, like, man. Yeah. Like it was a kid's cartoon, but I remember it being like, yeah, kind of a little trippy and like, whoa, this is weird. It was at a different level. <laughs> um, best Batman oh, in man. any medium. Any medium? 
This is going to be probably a really nerdy answer, but probably Kevin Conroy. Yeah. That's not a nerdy. That's a legit answer, man. That's that's He's kind of the gold standard in a lot of people's minds. I think minds. so. That's the voice you hear, right? Yeah. When you, yeah. Yeah. He's man, great. That animated series just impacted me so much. Oh, dude. Well. I mean, I was already a Batman fan, you know, and then I think there's so many, so much of that stuff that's untouchable. Mm-hmm. And also, like, how great it is that some of that's made it into, like, canon. Like, I mean, you think about, like, a... A character like Harley Quinn. Yeah. You know, that was kind of like this, like, yeah, we're going to include, you know, Paul Dini. He was like, here's a, a character that will include this animated series. And now, like, she's everywhere. Movie coming out and everything. Yeah. yeah. Insane. And sometimes more popular than even the Joker, depending on who you talk to. For sure. Um, favorite Marvel movie? Favorite Marvel movie. Hmm. You know, I, man. You can pick two if you need to. I think that first Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's my favorite. It might be though, but it was so, it just captured, you know, it was so wild to me that they a, made that movie. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't know if people, I think comic book fans realize this, but like that was like a D list character yeah. in the Marvel universe. Yeah. And they picked Iron Man to make this movie. That's going to launch all these future titles with an actor um, who, by the way, was not a household name and was kind of like known as like a just total jack, jack, screw, a fuck up. Yeah, know? he was in and out of jail. He was in yeah. and out of rehab. Which again, I think maybe if you know anything about the original Tony Stark character, yeah, yeah. kind of plays all right. You know, he's yeah. an alcoholic and he's in the arc reactor to keep himself alive for a while. Um, you know what movie I really love? Spider-Man 2. The Sam Raimi mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. He did such a great job with Dr. Octopus. Yeah. Yeah. Alfred that, Molina is the perfect guy to play that character. Yeah. And I, you know, wonderful. I think Tobey Maguire was a great Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I know we all kind of forget about. He was that. wonderful. Yeah. He, you know, he's kind of this nerdy kid. That's what I want out of my Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? Just like a nerdy Peter Parker is wondering if he's going to pass calculus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Independence Day or Men in Black? Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Probably Men in Black. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite comic book shop, and you can say multiple ones if you like. Uh, my favorite comic book shop is probably Chicago, Chicago Comics um, off of Clark Street. Um, I haven't heard of that one. That's a good one. Yeah. And it's uh, it's off of like, uh, yeah, well, Clark Street, like I said, but it used to be around, like there was this place called the alley there there's all these really cool like kind of just uh, maybe counterculture stores um but it was a huge store um they had a bunch of like statuettes and yeah just huge comic book selection um and i can remember going there early teenager and just being always blown away by like how much stuff they have and um yeah it was just Oh wow! Really cool. I'm pulling up pictures now for those of you listening. It's it. Go to Google and look it up. It is next time I'm in Chicago. That is on my list of places to visit. Wow. Yeah, it's such a great, such a great store. I mean, also too, it's just cool people working there. You know, you could bring up whatever title you want. And you're mm-hmm. never gonna get like the eye roll or you know like oh do you really read this? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. see, that's honestly we uh, that the mark of any great shop is is just somebody who's almost like a bartender like a sommelier like well what are you interested in and they for sure you know they don't give you they don't, they're not Jack Black from High Fidelity just judging you at all <laughs> right. you know you can well, ask a question yeah like what are you yeah. reading like you wouldn't understand that <laughs> yeah 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 um, best song from the eighties best song from the eighties hmm Oof, that's a good question too uh, you know what I really love. 
Space Age Love Song. <laughs> oh, by Flock of Seagulls. Yeah. If I get tied to a video, though, yeah. uh, Love is a Battlefield. Have you ever watched that video with Pat Benatar? It's Benetton? been a while, but I, yeah. yeah. Watch it. It's pretty mind-blowing. She like leaves her parents' house and like joins a brothel, and then the the prostitutes fight the pimp. It's a whole... Wow. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting... I just remember that at the end, like the sunset, and they're all like dancing down the street, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, never, I never remember like how they got to that, like what led them there. And then finally, because you're a bartender, I guess, do you have a favorite cocktail or something that you would recommend to listeners? Um, man, a favorite cocktail of mine. You know, I'm not really drinking a lot of cocktails right now. I'm kind of just enjoying things neat and on their own. Mm. Um, and honestly, one of the things, it's kind of funny, but one of the things I drink on, my, on its own a lot right now is uh, Carpano, which is a sweet vermouth. Mm. Um, it's kind of a nice little after-dinner drink. Um, and then I'm always fascinated with uh, there's two drinks. The French 75, I think, is just a great drink. You could enjoy it, you know, on your front porch. It hits all the notes, right? It's gin, lemon, sugar, and champagne. So it's got the nice texture of the champagne, and then it's, it's sour and sweet, but also has some of the nice undertones of the gin. Um, and then, like the original Mai Tai, mm, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the rum and the orgeat syrup. Um, yeah, that again, I think, just hits on all the notes. And also, what a great story because what that drink is originally and what it has become known as with all the fruit juice and like you know the orange juice and the grenadine and stuff Mm -hmm. you know in the return of speaking of like fandom i mean cocktails are you know right now there's this big renaissance and craft cocktails right and going Mm -hmm. back to the if you don't know the original recipe for for whatever drink and you can't track it down in, in 1925 cocktail book then you must not really be a bartender there's a whole there's a whole wow. sub like subset of that going on that's cool um yeah it's pretty interesting and sometimes it's a little out of balance but mm-hmm. um but yeah i think that's a really wonderful drink as well very good well it's been fun frank we could talk for far longer and you know uh i'm sure we'll we'll find ways to talk to you again in the future is there anything you want to promote either yourself or Anything you're working on or looking at or just anything? I mean, nothing that I'm really working on right now. Um, you know, I'd say if you're ever in the Springs area and need office space, come to Epicentral, of course. Um, or if you're ever just in the, the area, just stop by and say hi. Um, I'm picking up Fridays over at Chiba Bar. Nice. Speaking of nerd culture, they always <laughs> have like anime and stuff on their televisions. Ooh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's um, go there next even the the name of it, Chiba Bar, comes from that book, The Neuromancer. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and the owner is a big like fantasy sci-fi buff. Holy crap! So, I didn't know any of this. Yeah, it's pretty Good cool. Shout out. Uh, I mean, I th- I've probably watched you know Blade Runner. 18 times on shift just because <laughs> there's one TV that almost plays it all the time. Or, mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah, if you're in the area, check that out. And also the food is amazing. Mm. So they're doing like maybe not traditional sushi, but like more like Don Burry bowls and stuff like Ooh, that. Okay. Um, and the chef back there, uh, just crushes it. So I think it's some of the best food in town actually. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing that I'm working on personally. Wow. Well, that's a pretty good shout out right there. Yeah. 
Well, thanks so much, sir. Really appreciate it. Um, if you're listening and you want to get more uh, great content like this, go to panelism.inc. That's www.panelism.inc. We're also panelism.inc. on Instagram. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. Let them know about the show and let us know if there's any book or uh, guests you want to see featured in a next episode. We'll be back next week. Todd and I will have a brand new episode where we'll talk more. Um, and until then, hey, happy reading. Thanks, Frank. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you next time.